Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud. This is the rapid reaction here on 1410 ESPN Radio and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Sully, bringing you nothing but the goods for the next 45 minutes. If you are listening to this, it is right after Dayton just laid an absolute stinker. One of the program's worst losses in probably 25 years at home to Lipscomb, a team that is ranked higher than 200, I believe came into the game in the 230-240 region of college basketball. There's 358 teams. You can do the math. That's not too good. Dayton's a loser, 78-59, to 78-59 to 59 after losing a close one to UMass Lowell last Saturday. Again, the most embarrassing two-day stretch, the most pathetic two-game stretch in Dayton basketball in probably the last 25 years. We are at the point where we are skipping the Brian Gregory era, and we are going back to the early Oliver Purnell days to possibly the Jim O'Brien years to witness this amount of stink and two losses back-to-back that were this bad at home in the non-conference. We got a lot to get into tonight. I have some folks joining me. My old pal, KT, who joins me often on the podcast. KT, initial thought here on the Rapid Reaction after you just watched Dayton lose to Lipscomb by 19 points. I know a lot of current students listen to this, so I need a favor from all of them to go to UD Chapel for 6 a.m. Mass tomorrow morning. Like I need that line down to like Brown Street because we got nothing left but to just look up and ask God to to save us, to spare us. I don't know what else to do, Sally. <laughs> it's going to be a long year. It's not just me and KT today. I also brought our friend, Matt Ryan. He goes by Stat Matt around here. Usually has the numbers. Today he's here uh, to just talk about what we just witnessed again, dating a 19-point loser. Matt, great to have you on the program, man. What are you thinking right now? I mean, this is truly a, a, a low point for Dayton basketball right now. Uh, it's a dark day. I, yeah, I, I've been a student since 2005, um, graduate now, and and I can't think of a, a lower point for for Dayton basketball for for the university. You know, the athletics. It, it's really just embarrassing. It is. It is. That's where we'll start tonight for all listeners out there. And again, thank you for joining the program. If you are listening on the podcast feed or 1410 ESPN radio, great to have you Um, because we're here to commiserate. We're here to talk around the virtual campfire, the radio campfire, if you will. Um, You know, I last year I, I was pretty angry with the state of the program and where things went in year two. Um, The obvious excuse was, well, it's a COVID year. I immediately dismissed that because every other team in the country was dealing with the exact same circumstances. But more so last year, guys, um, I started to see that the program was not headed in the right direction. Um, last year's team had you know three seniors that kind of stirred the drink. 
and they played very uninspired, very boring basketball, very unorganized basketball, and they won a lot of games because of the talent of those three seniors and not necessarily because of anything that was drawn up coaching-wise or outplaying the opponent. It was basically just based on talent. And, and that was concerning last year. After the 2020 year, you certainly knew that we were going to take a step down, but I think a lot of people started to be concerned by what they saw on offense, the lack of production, the lack of organization in the offense. And you thought, well, we can turn the page this year and we can start fresh. And then all the offseason, it was like, well, we have a lot of talent, a lot of talent on this roster. If only Anthony Grant can put it together. And for years here on this program, what we said is the goal for Anthony Grant is to get so much talent that it will overcome his coaching deficiencies. His coaching deficiencies are obvious, and they are many. We've gone into them on this program many times. His in-game coaching is simply lacking. It's just not any good. Um, in the 2020 year, he didn't have to do a lot of it because the team was not in a lot of close games. Can so I ask a question? This, go ahead. Go ahead. Ask, go sorry, ahead. one question. Because uh, I'm still just in a state of awe. Mind you, we record this like a half hour after the game ends. It's um, fresh. It's fresh. That. Yeah. Yep. Um, just my quick question. I don't want to interrupt your flow. I love it. Were Thank there you. really three timeouts under the on the scoreboard for us at the end of that game? There was. Um, so thank you for bringing <laughs> that up. Error? That's important. Was that that's an error on the scoreboard? Was my that's TV a, wrong? That's a very important point. Um, Were we down to 20 highlight. and didn't stop ever? I don't. I'm just making. I don't know if I saw something wrong. I'm just asking for it to be clarified. That's all. That is correct. So, in speaking about Ag's coaching deficiencies, none are more obvious than his lack of timeouts or lack of taking timeouts. That's been well documented year after year. For some reason, Anthony Grant just does not believe in the power of taking a timeout and stopping the flow of the game. Now, putting aside, Lipscomb used that tonight to their advantage multiple times to cut off Dayton runs, quiet the crowd down. Then they came back out and scored points every single time they took a timeout in the second half. So they were properly utilized. So again, going into this season, you said, well, if Dayton can get enough talent to overcome the deficiencies of Anthony Grant, that's how they won in 2020. They had so much talent, so much senior leadership. All of that talent overcame what AG is not good at, and that is coaching and making adjustments in the game. We're just talking about in the game, okay? So all I heard all season we did on this program was that the expectations from the program all the way down, the school administration, athletic department, all the way down is that Dayton's going to play for an at-large bid and that they are going to contend for a conference title year in, year out. We bring recruiting classes in. We bring talent in to serve that purpose. That's what we were told, okay? Now we are, I can't believe this, we are less than 10 days into the Dayton Flyers season. The at-large hopes are completely gone. The season is completely over in regards to getting to the NCAA tournament on an at-large bid. And Dayton is one and two for their first time since the 2004-2005 season. Jesus I want to properly outlay all of this to start the program tonight to say, if you were a person that went into the season and said, we have a lot of talent on paper, man, do we have a lot of talent. We got dudes, but they're young. Sure. And I will accept that this team is a little young, not a lot young. The starting lineup tonight had two guys that have played two years of college basketball. They had two guys that have one year of experience and they had one true freshman drawn Holmes. That doesn't sound like a team that's really all that young to me, but sure, I can hand wave that. That's totally fine. Okay, so here we are tonight, Dayton fans, and I'm going to let Matt go first. Where we are tonight is that all of that talent coached by Anthony Grant is now one and two. And they have taken losses to Lipscomb and UMass Lowell, teams that are ranked 230 and 249. They lost both of those games at home, and they are, again, the worst back-to-back losses for the program in over 25 years. Matt, I know you're chomping at the bit to jump in. What do you have for me? Yeah, before the game, I was thinking about what you and Blackburn said on the podcast after the uh, UMass Lowell game about how you know, the, the, basically the at-large bids are over. It's all going to come down to 8-10 play. And, you know, I definitely uh, agreed with that and, and thought, you know, okay, maybe there's a way that, you know, AG can figure out how to get this offense even to an average offense. Because in that UMass Lowell game, they were, you know, below average to say the least. But somehow, you know, tonight they took took a step down from that. They were worse than They were, worse they than were below worse. Average. They were definitely worse and, tonight and than they were against Lowell, yes. There's just so many guys taking contested mid-range jumpers. You know, Anthony Grant is not putting uh, uh, these players in a position to succeed. When you have Tamani Kamara taking 
five three-pointers when he's uh, a career 23% three-point shooter, and, and he's allowed to continue to keep taking three after three like that, you know, what is going on in, in these huddles? What is going on in practices where he, think that, he thinks that's acceptable and he's going to continue to play? And he gets to continue to play. He gives to continue playing time. I'm not trying to harp on Kamara. It's just more, you know, what's the plan on offense? What, what, what are the, what's the goal? Because it, it doesn't seem, it, it's like you said, he, he's just relying on individuals to make plays. And he, instead of, you know, he doesn't have Obi Toppin. He doesn't have Jalen Crutcher to do that. He's got these young guys who, who have a little bit of experience, but he has these young guys who don't know how to create their own shot, who don't know how to take the efficient shot. And the, these last two games are the result of that. KT, what do you have to add? Uh, <clears throat> want to give a quick shout out to the basketball UD managers. Um, right now they're the real heroes of this team. They can't do anything to affect what's going on on the court per se, but they got to take the heat just like the players. We're always big, uh, big manager podcast here. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, we got to use our words, you know, respectfully here. I truly sure. believe that the first day all these guys came to campus, what does that happen? Like June or even before that? Yeah, it was before that, yeah. I think before they even got more than an hour with each other, they would have smoked both these teams. Not knowing anything about anyone on their team, they just met all these guys. I think the talent on the roster we have right now, just throw them out there with no practices, they should be able to smoke these two teams. I don't know why we can't get out of our own way. Are we trying to make things – complicated are we trying to play guys in positions they're just not meant to play are we putting the wrong rotations together these are questions that we shouldn't be asking against this level of opponent anyone alumni anyone involved this is it's not hyperbole it's not exaggeration uh this is if not one of the most embarrassing part of my dating experience that i've ever been a part of yeah, and I ask this to people. So if you're sitting there right now, listener, and you're saying to yourself, well, um, I don't think it's all AG's fault. And I'm like, okay, I, I can hear that. Um, I certainly don't agree with it right now. Um, I think these last two games are 100% on the coaching staff, the preparation, and the in-game strategy. Um, because here's the thing. I want you to sit there and ask yourself, if Dayton took five guys from their roster right now, let's, let's even say the best five guys, and they met at a park in Dayton, Okay, two months ago when the weather was nice and warm, let's take out all the variables. And they met five guys from the UMass Lowell team. That's and, then, uh, and then four days later, they met five guys from the Lipscomb team. Is there anybody listening to this podcast right now that does not think that Dayton would win that game on talent and talent alone? Yo, so, your analogy killed mine or your story killed mine. That was awesome. So I sit here and I ask myself, what is there left to defend? What like what is there to defend about this coaching staff when last year was an absolute dumpster fire? They never got together. They never got organized. They never had a plan on offense. They showed that they could beat St. Louis, really good team, and they lose to Fordham. And that they got blown out by St. Joe's and they, they went and beat Bonaventure. That's inconsistency. That's talent winning because there's no plan. There's no formula. This year, it's been the exact same thing. And what should make you so angry is that it's the exact same thing with a completely different roster. So (laughs) the only thing that is similar from last year to this season is the coaching staff. That is it. That is the only common ground that comes from last year to this year. So I just, I'm having trouble right now digesting this and trying to understand because i often try to understand the other side of the coin i think you guys know this about me i'm trying to understand what the argument is to say oh it's no big deal these guys will figure it out first of all there's nothing to figure out the season is now over we're playing for an nit bid at best and three days in brooklyn that is extremely sad out of the the question at this point now yeah it's and and again and and before i kick it over to the guys the most Dayton sentiment I can possibly think of right now is that there are people that are sitting there going, well, maybe we can win the A-10 tournament, something that we also haven't done in over 20 years. <laughs> so I, I just, I, this is an honest to God low point for the program. And I really didn't think it would ever get this low under Anthony Grant, but um, here we are. Here we are, fellas. 
Yeah, the, a, the excuses for Anthony Grant, you know, the, the, they contradict themselves. You know, if you're saying it's a young, inexperienced team, well, that's when you need your coaches to to handhold your team and basically, you know, make everything easy for them. And, and that's just not happening right now for, for Dayton. You know, on offense, it's a struggle. Defense, the first two games, they were okay, but tonight they just got tore apart by, by you know, a, a better game plan that, that just destroyed Dayton's defense. Yeah. Yeah, plain and simple. KT, wrap it up before we go to the break. Anyone who thought they had an argument after the UMass Lowell game, all right, you know, you can chalk it up to it is a brand new team. Weird Ah, weird stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, No one has any argument to the alternative that this is a total dumpster fire right now. When you put up a 20-point stinker to Lipscomb, give me that that one more time, Lipscomb. (laughs) Lipscomb. Four days later, all right. You're, there's no more argument. This is this is we got dark days are ahead, folks. Commercial. <laughs> dark days are ahead, and that's a great time to go to commercial. You are listening to the rapid reaction after Dayton again, an embarrassing loser to Lipscomb, seventy-eight fifty-nine. This is the rapid reaction podcast, available wherever you do listen to podcasts here on Talking Out Loud and fourteen ten ESPN Radio in Dayton. Welcome back into Talking Out Loud. I'm Sully here with Stat Matt and KT on the Rapid Reaction podcast available here on 1410 ESPN Radio and wherever you listen to podcasts. We are recapping the Dayton loss. They're a one and two team now and they absolutely stink. They lost a 19 point just stinker. I guess stinker is the, the word of the day. Um but Dayton absolutely gets embarrassed at home by 19 to Lipscomb. We'll get into a little bit more of the stats, I guess, if we have to. Uh, but circling back on the first segment, it's uh, it's just a dark day for the program. And, um, and, and the problems for Dayton are obvious, and they are many. Um, so let's let's do a little bit of trivia here, guys. I'm going to rattle off. So Dayton, a 19-point loser in the non-con. Um, their last loss that was this bad in the non-conference at home was Archie Miller's first season. Dayton lost a 29-point defeat to Buffalo on November 30th. That was in line uh, to a very, very bad season. Archie Miller's team that year didn't even go to the CBI because if you remember, they famously declined the offer to go to the CBI when the season ended. It was Archie's worst home defeat of his career. Um, and, and it only went up there from up uphill from there for old Archie. That was in year one. AG's in year three. Or sorry, year five. So if you guys want to go back further, and I know you do, ages in year five, had to remind myself, they've flown by. If you want to go back further than that, Dayton's next 19-point loss at home in the non-conference, okay? Stay with me here, guys. It's a long time ago. You'd have to go all the way back to December 30th, 1995. Jesus Dayton Christ. was a loser to Miami of Ohio. And oh, it's even worse. If you're a long time, and that was a that was a pretty bad defeat too. But if you're a long time um, listener, or if you're a long time fan of the program, you know that when I start to reference those years in the mid '90s, that things are getting really, really friggin' grim. Because the season that I referenced was Oliver Purnell's first year. It was also Dayton's first year in the A10, and they finished that season. With a record, are you guys ready for this? You ready for this one? Let's hear it. Okay. Um, and my computer's obviously not loading when I when I need the information that I that I need <laughs> here. Um, but because I, I don't I don't want to be I, you know I don't want to get it wrong, guys. Um, it's just one of those things. You know, I have to be factually accurate. Um, Dayton finished the year in 1995-96, 15 and 14, and they were six and ten in the conference. That was OP's second year, coming off of an 0 and 12 year in what was the Great Midwestern Conference. So I honestly can't see 15 wins the way this yeah. team played tonight. I, you know, yeah. that would be no way, no way, no <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, Matt, you uh, you love crunching the numbers. And I guess, you know, it's a good time. Uh, second segment of the, the show here to get into it. But I mean, do you do you want to get into the X's and O's of what went wrong? I mean, again, the problems are obvious and they are many. Yeah. So it, it, it continues just to be a, a, a struggle on offense 
for this Dayton team. You know, tonight they had an offensive rating of uh, 90.6, which is uh, 90.6 points scored per 100 possessions. And that's about 10 points below average. Their effective field goal rate was 44.2%. Um, they, you know, it's not like the, the AG teams of past where, you know, we're giving up a bunch of offensive rebounds and that's really what's, what's killing us. Lipscomb only got, um, only rebounds were even. Down, they were 28, yeah, 27. Yeah. I and mean, they only pull, yeah. you know, only pulled down two offensive rebounds, Lipscomb, you know, they didn't turn over the ball a ton. It wasn't, you know, perfect in terms of the turnovers. It's just, it, it, it it'll, you know, sur- a team will survive, you know, uh, 13 turnovers in a game if they can score at an average rate. But this Dayton team just could not do that tonight. You know, going into the game, they were just a, a, a putrid three-point shooting team. Um, they were still shooting. Are. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> still yeah, are. That's not going to get any better, still, man. <laughs> no, they, they still are. You know, they were they were bad before, and they shot 28.6% tonight. And it's just, like I mentioned in the first segment, you know, Kamara shooting six, making one, that's not going to, you know, do very much. Amzil shooting seven, hitting two, you know, that's going to kill you. And it, and Mustafa Amzil is just, he he's one of the more puzzling players because he's a shell think, of himself. Yeah. Everyone, everyone last year, you know, was really excited about his ability to score. You know, he could score from three, he could score in the paint. You know, he wasn't a guy who's going to back people down, but he certainly could get buckets in the, in, he was on campus for an hour and put right. up 20 and 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, like, exactly. He just showed up like out of the street last year. And he didn't have an ID yet. Yeah. He didn't have an ID yet. That's not, that's not a joke. Like they said it, like he did not yet have an ID to even get into his own dorm the first day yeah. there. Yep. Right. And, 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 you know, that, that kind of goes into the, the idea that, Oh, you know, Anthony Grant's this great, you know, player development guy. I mean, the the kid has seemingly regressed since he's gotten on campus. You know, he showed up, you know, put on his uniform and shoes and played and, and scored 20-some-odd points against uh, an, an A-10 opponent. But, you know, he looks like he's he's scared to shoot the ball, and, and he looks like he has no confidence when he's when he's playing out out there, you know, these first three games. So it, it, it's really just a struggle on offense. You know, they were Dayton definitely wasn't good on defense tonight. Um, they allowed a, a Lipscomb to have an offensive rating of 119.8, which again is how many points they scored per 100 possessions. And, and that's going to lose most ball games, a, a defensive rating yep. like that. But but it doesn't matter what your defensive rating is if, if you're as bad as Dayton has been this entire season on offense. Yep. Yep. Um, going through a couple more of the stats here from the game, uh, Dayton six for 21 from downtown and, Jesus. Uh, and guys, you know, what's even like worse than that. Like we've had teams that have been six for 21 from downtown. I mean, believe you me, like we've watched really bad shooting Dayton teams. Right. But what continues to puzzle me, and this happened in the first two games as well. Again, nothing has changed from day one, minute one. I mean, this team has been the exact same. They haven't changed anything. What concerns me more is that non-three-point shooting field goals, Dayton was 14 for 31. I mean, what the hell are they doing from two-point? I mean, they this team has missed more bunnies and more baskets under the rim than any Dayton team I can ever remember. And I'm talking about within like five feet of the hoop. Dayton was in the first half against UMass Lowell, or I believe this was the UIC game. I believe they were two for 13 from two-point range. I mean, that is way more concerning for me. Like you have a night where you're going to brick them out. You know, you have a night when guys are just cold. It happens. But for this team to consistently keep being under 50% for their two-point percentage, I mean, that used to be like a staple of the only thing you could count on from Anthony Grant offensively, is that we were going to get easy two-point buckets, and the field goal percentages inside the arc were going to be efficient, and they were going to be high. I think everybody can agree with that year over year. Even the year when we were really bad, um, the, the first AG year, Josh Cunningham and, and Obi. I mean, the, or the this was 2019 I'm talking about. Um, you know, those guys were like top five in the country at two-point field goal percentage. So that's the thing that really puzzles me the most. Um, the fact that they couldn't get Deron Holmes involved on offense at all. He was one for six from the field. He had two points, 17 minutes. I mean, he was largely ineffective on the offense. And as good as his offense, or as bad as his offense has been, that's how good his defense has been. Which, again, it, it just... Um, there's so many questions. I mean, you could look at a multitude of things on this stat sheet after a defeat like this and be like, what is going on with this team? 
because there's nothing there's nothing here that that points to a team that has any idea who they are. Is this a game of hot potato again like it was last season where nobody wants the ball and no one wants to shoot the ball? Because there are people saying at the last game, assistant coaches were literally allegedly screaming out on the floor to shoot the ball because no one was shooting. And you look tonight, it just – people just want to – they get it, they want to get rid of it right away. Yeah. I, 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 help me. Are we seeing the hot potato game again like last year? Yeah, and, and I think definitely um, – there's just no one that that feels confident in taking the shot. You know, even last year, it certainly wasn't pretty at all times. But Dayton was, you know, one of the the still one of the more efficient offenses in the country. You know, they were 77th in Ken Palm in their uh, offensive rating, but they had Jalen Crutcher and Evie Watson there to to bail them out. You know, they still played at a similar pace. It's, it, it was slow. It, it definitely wasn't up tempo any of the years that Anthony Grant's been there. But but. You knew that you had the bailout of Jalen and, and Ibby to, to score a basket, and then um, this year there's just they're they're gonna drain the clock. You know they they don't really know they can't get an easy shot. Anthony Grant's offense doesn't allow that, and and you know they have to force up a tough shot, tough contested jumper that that just <laughs> isn't working, and it's not gonna work. You know more, it's not gonna work more often than that. One more thing, real quick, Sully. Uh, kind of off topic, but not really. As we continue to grow the podcast and get new listeners all the time, I uh, want people to know that Matt, Stat Matt, he's the one behind all the statistical write-ups on the BlackburnReview.com <laughs> Dayton basketball website. He's not just some dude yelling numbers into the void. This dude knows what he's talking about. He lives and breathes stats, hence Stat Matt. So I just want to make sure people know that what, what he's saying holds a lot of weight to it. That's precisely right. Um, and going back even further, um, and again, just outlying kind of how bad things are currently, um, this is Dayton's first one and two start since the 2004-2005 year. You might remember that if you are a Dayton fan of some length, because that team was the team that took the floor after Dayton had made back-to-back tournament appearances. They graduated a huge class and had a very young team and everybody kind of knew that was going to be a rebuilding year for Brian Gregory. And it was, they finished 18 and 11, 10 and six in the conference. Uh, UD started that year one and two (laughs) or sorry, one and three. However, their loss, their first loss of the year was to Eastern Kentucky, which was bad, but their losses after that were at DePaul and then home against Cincinnati uh, Cincinnati went to the NCAA tournament that year. They were 25 and 18. DePaul was a 20 win team. I believe they went 20 and 11 that year. So we're not going to start comparing that as an apples to apples. That team started one and three because they were clearly rebuilding and they had a very front loaded, pretty solid non conference schedule. What we're talking about here is a talented roster that has no clue, no direction, and just lost to two extremely mediocre teams in college basketball. In all the years of Brian Gregory, Archie Miller, Oliver Purnell, once he started getting things rolling, of course, after digging us out of the James O'Brien years, um, those guys didn't lose a whole lot of non-conference games. And I just said it. I mean, Archie Miller lost a 29-point stinker to Buffalo in his first year. It never happened again. You know, BG for as inconsistent as he was in conference and how many teams he limped to the finish nine and nine or whatever it was nine and seven, 10 and six back in those days, BG didn't lose these games. BG won the games that we were supposed to win at home. We protected the home floor. And now the home floor of Dayton arena doesn't mean diddly. It literally doesn't mean anything. The fact that I was sitting on my computer this afternoon and I said, boy, I don't have a good feeling about this game. It could go either way against Lipscomb. I mean, against Lipscomb, like we were all sitting there going, boy, I don't know if this game is a foregone conclusion. And that should tell you everything that you need to know. Again, if you want to sit there and say this team is young, okay, that's fine. But two guys started tonight, had two years of college experience. Two of them had one year of experience. That, That means those guys were sophomores and juniors. Whatever way you want to slice it in your head, that's fine. And I know last year didn't count, so all the guys saved their eligibility. But let's just be honest here, people. I mean, this is not a team of guys that were playing high school basketball last year, all right? They're a new team. They're new together. But as we said before, if you're not ready to blame Anthony Grant, all you have to do is ask yourself if this Dayton roster would beat UMass Lowell or Lipscomb on a park court right now outside at a park in Dayton, Ohio. And everybody knows the answer to that question. So, you know, I I don't know, guys. Like, I, I'm curious your thoughts, too. Like, Matt, were you 
even like angry tonight because I didn't really feel myself being like angry. It was kind of like, well, I saw this coming from a mile away. Yeah, like you, I I had a bad feeling. You know, I I put out the um the numbers comparing Dayton and, and Lipscomb season and and seeing their three point shooting percentage, it definitely had me worried. Uh, first half, I was definitely you know it, it was kind of in stages. First half, I was definitely angry um, as the lead you know double digits at halftime. Second half, you just you, you just resign yourself to that this is a, a gigantic embarrassment and, and you know Dayton you know, playing at home is no longer the, the juggernaut that it used to be, you know, a couple of years nothing. ago, you know, you, nothing. you, yeah. you, you chalk, chalked up, you know, not only these buy games, but if we got like a big game, like, you know, the pit game back, you know, 10 years ago and, and teams like that come to the arena, you know, you had confidence that, you know, no matter who was the coach, who were the players that Dayton would, would at least keep it close, if not be able to beat, you know, anyone. And, and now it's just that, that aura of invincibility at, at, um, at UD Arena is, is not only gone, it's dead, buried, and, and it's going to take a lot to, to, to bring it back, you know? Yeah, I agree. KT, bring us home into the break, brother. Can I pose a question, you guys, as our, as our last part of the segment? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what it's for. Scale of one to five, five being maximum effort, what would you guys put? I know it's a small sample size, one in you know three games. Where do you put the team's effort on the court, one to five, one being the lowest? You know, it's funny, man. Um Last year, and I think Matt would echo this sentiment as well. Last year, it started to feel towards the end like the guys were giving up on the team. You know, it felt it felt like the people watching cared more than the guys on the floor. Now, of course, we know that's not true. We know that's not true. Don't get in my mentions. Don't don't start that crap because people always love to do that. Like, oh, you think you care more than the team? No, I don't think that. What to I was fair, watching, I always to be fair, I said that last year. I, I was. We all said that. that again because what we were watching it made us feel like we cared more than the guys on the floor. And again, we understand that that's not the case. Okay, but this year, I think I'm doing more hand waving of the guys on the floor because I do feel like the effort is there. It's just misplaced in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's how I feel, Matt. Where, yeah, where do you stand? I, I would agree with that. I think you know, I, I think that the effort's there, but I think it, it's kind of. A lot of guys are, you know, it's it's 10 seconds on the shot clock. Oh, crap. I got to, you know, we got to get a shot up here. What am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to, I got to make something happen now. And I got to take this bad shot. And, and they're not getting the guidance necessary to, to give them the confidence to to play well, basically. So I think it, it, it all boils down to coaching. Like, I don't think three games in, there are any guys on the team that are, are quitting. You know, it's just they're, they're not being led properly. And that's that's leading to the results we've seen. You're right. And the results that we have seen is a one and two date and start again. One of the darker days for this program of the last 30 years. We'll be right back. Uh, you're still listening to the talking out loud rapid reaction after Dayton's loss to Lipscomb and this KT and stat Matt. I'm your host Sully here on talking out loud available wherever you listen to podcasts and right here on 1410 ESPN radio in Dayton. And welcome back to the final segment here of Talking Out Loud. I'm Sully here again with Stat Matt and KT. And you're listening maybe on the podcast feed, but specifically we thank the people listening on 1410 ESPN Radio right here in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, again, closing out the show, wrapping up 78-59. Flyers are losers at UD Arena. Their worst defeat since falling by 29 points to Buffalo in Archie Miller's first year and a worst defeat in the non-conference. Uh, before that, you'd have to go all the way back to 1995, and we won't do that again because rehashing, just too painful. Uh, guys, you know, today, uh, let's say going into the game today, Last week, um, from Saturday on, I think there was a lot of conversation about Anthony Grant. Like, where can he take this program? Why are they failing so much? What does the future look like? Um, but I, you know, I have a really pointed question to ask you because I asked uh, a couple of friends that are U U date um, University of Dayton grads uh, just two days ago, and this with how embarrassing this is, and with where this season is now headed, which again is nowhere because they can't get an at large bid. How bad would this season have to be for Dayton to to move on from Grant? Um, Matt, I'll let you start on that one. How bad would this season really have to be? Because I don't think that they would. I really do not think any amount of stink would force Dayton to make that decision. I mean, it, we're on that path. 
losing by losing by nearly by twenty to to Lipscomb to an Atlantic Sun team at the arena. I I mean that's just unacceptable. You know the 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 the, you know UMass Lowell game was unacceptable. This is unacceptable on on a a whole different level. A new level. Yeah. What I think about is you know while Dayton was was you know defecating themselves tonight at the arena, George Mason beat them beat. Maryland at Maryland, and I, and I don't think Maryland's you know the best team in the world. They're they're a Big Ten team. Um, it's a good win for Mason at Maryland, but it kind of just shows that with a, a hard reset like George Mason had this off season, um, with the transfer portal kind of what it is now these days, and and if you can keep guys like Deron Holmes and Malachi Smith from from leaving if Grant left, um, you know it, it it's not unheard of to to rebuild quickly if if it did get to the point where Grant was let go. So I think it, it, it's really looking bad. You know, there really has to be a dramatic turnaround for, for hard questions not to be asked of Anthony Grant um, by the school. I would have to agree. KT, where do you stand on that? I mean, how bad would this year have to get for Dayton to move on from Grant? Let's it, say three wins. Coach K doesn't survive three wins. Yeah. But here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. We all know the Dayton job has been a launching pad to bigger schools, bigger programs, not some bigger programs, whatever. It's still one of the most respected programs in the country. The brand is known very well. It's always going to be one of the most crazy environments to come play in because truth be told, the three of us could go play there by ourselves, do a shoot around, and they would sell out the arena. That's how yeah. much those people would love just going to that arena and that city and the school stands behind it. That being said, the brand is what they hold on to more than anything, right? They talk about community every four words of that university. It would truly put question on the brand of Dayton for the first time maybe in program history to fire an alumni, former player, a year removed from coach of the year. Not many people are going to want to come in or look at this as – there's going to be a lot of questions, a lot of hard conversations raised – should we get rid of Grant for whatever reason anytime soon? Yep. So, and so I kind of I, I kind of disagree with that. Um, I think good. Hey, <laughs> that's the beauty of this podcast, baby. Let's go. That's, that's what think, we do. You know, the reason why people are in Sully's mentions, you know, saying asking when is Dayton going to the Big East, and and you know when are they going to be the Ridiculous. Gonzaga of the East, and and Stop things it. like that. Stop is, it. Is, <laughs> is be, well, the, the reason it happens is because Dayton has all the pieces except on court. That, that's yep. the only thing that Dayton does not have that, that those schools have. That, that well, Matt, people in. fall back on that. People fall back on that. Right. They say, oh, well, no, I, we I still agree. got the prettiest no. arena. We still got this great brand. And we get the first four. That's why people, they're like, but, oh, we still got that. Well, that yeah. shouldn't be the cushion. I'm, but, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm with you. But my point is, is that a, a, a talented young coach, let's say Anthony Grant is fired. A talented young coach sees that Dayton, that Anthony Grant brought in the highest recruiting class that he that Dayton has ever had. That they sell out thirteen thousand before the season even starts. That that the entire arena is sold out. That they have you know some of the best facilities in the conference and in, in, in the country. And and he sees all those things. A, a young coach sees all those things and says, "Shoot, I can make that work. I have all this t- raw talent that this guy you know couldn't make work. But if I get in there." And, and, you know, I apply some some of my abilities to to all these puzzle pieces. I can make this work in Dayton. And that's why I think, you know, if Anthony Grant left, if there were a few transfers, I think getting the right guy in there would, would you know, it would be shorter, a, a shorter rebuild than I think, you know, a, a doomsday scenario would be. Yeah. Real quick, we got to we got to actually and this is a serious it's not an over exaggeration. One of my biggest fears right now is. You know, in today's era of this new transfer portal, social media, you know, people transferring out is going to be a real concern right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're out of your mind if you don't think there's some people already, you know, having some conversations with, you know, other coaches or parents and whatnot. You'd be insane not to think that. Yeah. You need, uh, yep. need Brian Roberts in the field house to uh, up those uh, NIL. Please come on. Be right. Come on to talk sure to that people. doesn't happen, you know. We need better NIL deals. Um, yeah, and and you know most people that listen to this show uh, are pretty intertwined with the program, and I think there's a general understanding from everybody. Um, for some reason, and I really don't know the answer to this, but for some reason, students don't feel this way. <laughs> it's the it's the darndest thing, guys. But going into this year, the task at hand was very simple. Like Dayton had to get to the tournament 
or damn close to it. Like they had to get really close because the momentum created from 2020 was starting to basically fade off. And we were kind of getting back into the same circular patterns that we were in before that period. And now it's all over. I mean, all the things that Dayton fans had feared is over, you know, like, we always talked about how important it is for recruits or like whatever on television to see your name next to a ranking. We talk about how important it is for national writers, national media to perceive your program to be strong. And now all that goodwill is starting to wear off. And again, I don't know why like newer fans don't get this or like the concept is lost on them, but like Archie Miller did something. He took Dayton to the tournament four years in a row that was never done before. And we still now have we are going to go seven seasons without winning a tournament game. Meaning it's going to be eight years at least between our last tournament win and our next tournament win. Because it, it's not going to happen until 2023, right? If, if everything goes right. So all of that momentum that was created by Archie Miller and then all of that momentum that was rebuilt by Anthony Grant by the 2020 season, I mean, it's gone. And you say, well, uh, the team was young. Ah, they're new. And ah, man, it's going to take so long if we fire him. Well, George Mason just won a game against Maryland. They're 4-0. They brought in a new coach. They had guys transfer out. They basically had to put together a brand new team. And I don't see a, a whole lot of their fans on Twitter tonight talking about how young they are and how new their team is. I mean, people are starting to lose me, and they're starting to lose the perspective that the A-10 in college basketball in general is no longer a recruit and player develop type of system anymore. It's not get your guys and then make sure that you can keep them until they're juniors and seniors. Guys can leave at the drop of a hat. And we've seen more freshmen and sophomores make impacts in the A-10 in the last five years than we did in the previous 15 combined before that. So if you're sitting there and you're asking yourself today, well, why is this such a big deal? It's such a big deal because Dayton's back to exactly where they were when Archie Miller took over. They're almost, I mean, right now we're trending towards basically when BG had his rebuilding year in year two, the cupboard being bare, you know, all the momentum is gone. We're not looked at as a national presence anymore. And like Matt said, the most frustrating thing is that people are going to keep beating their chest and keep saying, well, Dayton's going to figure it out. And, oh, you know what? It'll be fine. And, man, we have such a strong program. Like, we should go to the Big East. But the reality is that Dayton has all the things that is necessary to take a jump up in the college basketball world, except for the wins on the basketball court, the most important piece of that equation. And that can't be lost tonight as we're staring down the barrel of a one and two start against two teams that were absolutely pitiful. Um, I think so. he, the, the message has to be that unless there's a dramatic turn of events where, where Dayton really turns us around, I think, you know, even most, most optimistic fan would say that's, that's not really likely at this point. The message needs to be sent that this is just not acceptable. And, and, you know, thanks, thanks for the memories of 2020 Anthony Grant, but if it continues down this road, he can't be here after this year if this continues. You know, there there needs to be a reboot, and and I, I think you know Dayton has has the puzzle pieces that it can you know quickly rebound from that. But but it just need a message needs to be sent that this is not acceptable for the University of Dayton basketball program. Yeah, and and it you know it definitely should be sent swiftly. But again. Um... You know, we, we talked about it last year, like losing to Fordham, not acceptable. Um, you know, these games at home, losing that, losing these two back to back games is not acceptable. And and mainly it's, it's mainly not acceptable because of the stated expectations of the university and the athletic department all the way down to the coaching staff. I mean, it has been explicitly stated now time in time out that. We're going to compete for an at large bid. We're going to compete to get in the NCAA tournament and all the programs that we were chasing. You know, the the Xavier's back in the early 2000s, you know, Butler came and went all those programs in the Big East. Most of them are able to rebuild and reload and get back to the tournament. Providence, Marquette. Um, and when they're not, they are swift to make a move and they make it because they're not winning. And guys, you know, it's it's just I, I, I have always said that I really hope it doesn't get to that. Um, I, I don't even know where UD goes if it doesn't work out with Anthony Grant, but the trajectory that they're going on, um, it's bad. I mean, it, it is as bad as I can remember. There's always flash in the pan games. We look back on as fans and we say, ah, you know, they let that one slip away. Oh, that was one game, but the style of play 
being out prepared, having no plan on offense. I mean, these are like structural things that are very, very wrong with this Dayton team. And um, yeah, it's it's just concerning. So boys, before we let the people go, um, again, wherever you listen to us, we thank you here on the Talking Out Loud Rapid Reaction. Um, you know, it's always a time for final thoughts. So KT, I want you to go first, you know, final thoughts for tonight and, you know, be brief or, or be long. I don't care. What do you have to how say? Do, how do we get here? Lipscomb. Yeah. How do we give get a here? shout out? You talked about the youngins that are hollering at us and everyone. Well, you especially. And the people that are just anyone who's just saying that we're hating or not being good fans or good alumni. First of all, credit due. When I was in college and, you know, people 10 years out plus were talking to you, I was like, you guys don't know shit. You're not here anymore. Like, get out of my face. But looking back, uh, why do we know a lot more than people at, at Dayton do? Because really, that's all we have to do at this point in our lives is watch Dayton and talk about it. Um, but that's not the point. It's the point that why we are so angry and why we are saying these things is not because we're hating or because we think we know more about basketball than you or Anthony Grant. Mm-hmm. It's because the expectations and standards that this program and university have stated for years, not just us, them instilling it into us the forever. The actual school. Yes forever we all have come to expect that we expect and demand high high performance and standards expectation this is not okay right now we're talking about records and scores and games from 95 this is not okay right now this is a five alarm bell fire if you think i'm overreacting uh again for the 50th time lipscomb four days after umass lowell all right this ain't a you know, we're still getting to know each other thing. There's something going on here. And I hope I'm wrong. Hey, yeah. please, God, I hope I'm wrong. I know. I hope you're wrong, too. Matt, uh, wrap it up tonight. What are your final thoughts for the rapid reaction? Well, I want to first let you thank or thank you for uh, uh, letting me vent here tonight. And, and so we know, do. It's hard to be um, optimistic about much after tonight's performance. But I did want to we were talking about effort before. And I just wanted to note the effort that Malachi Smith put forth tonight. You know, he he definitely gave you know, a five out of five effort. And, uh, and, yeah. and, and we were talking about Brian Roberts in the field house and the NIL money before, um, all, all the fishbowl money goes to, to Malachi Smith this week. So he knows uh, he's got big shoes and big wheelbarrows to fill. And that's what right, I appreciate exactly. about him because and, and, he takes this seriously. Yeah. I and, and I think that's what I saw is it, it, it was a kid who knows what Dayton basketball means because it, it, it's in his family and, and we need more of that, frankly, going forward. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so that'll, that'll do it for the show tonight, guys. Um, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long year. Um, and I think the thing that I'm, if I, if I'm going to be frustrated by anything tonight, as I, I close the show out, um, you know, it's to, it's to the people that, you know, are thinking to themselves, Oh, well, this team will get it turned around because it don't, it don't work like that in college basketball anymore. There is no more time to get it turned around. Dayton season isn't, headed anywhere um this is a clear rebuilding year and it's it's just very concerning to look up and down the roster to hear throughout the preseason over and over again how much talent this team has and for that talent to not be over to not overcome umass lowell and lipscomb when they weren't playing at their best um you have to point to the coaching staff you know anthony grant's not an idiot all this stuff he knows falls directly on him but now the question is, how much worse is it going to get um, before the end of the year? So uh, we'll be here with you. you know, we do rapid reactions. Um, we're probably not going to do one for this coming Saturday. Uh, we'll, we'll take the weekend off, see if the Flyers can write the ship. Uh, they'll be back in action 2 p.m. Eastern against Austin P. on Saturday. If you're going... If you're going, if you have tickets, God love you. Um, we know the Flyer fans will be there to the bitter end. So first stat, Matt and KT, uh, I'm your host, Sully, here on Talking Out Loud. Thanks for joining us for the hour-long venting session. Again, UD a loser, 78-59, back in action, 2 o'clock Eastern against Austin P. Thanks for sticking around, whether you're on the podcast feed or on Talking Out Loud or 1410 ESPN Radio.
A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.